You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch, but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. All right. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Look who decided to record an actual episode (laughs) instead of just the sermon episodes. Here we are. Um, going to get back into the eschatology series, uh, in Matthew 24. And I am, these headphones are noisy. You probably don't notice it, but I do. So, um, let just really fast. I have not actually even, I've not mentioned this because I've not been recording any intros or anything like that for the sermons. Um, so I don't recall. I don't recall mentioning it. Mentioning it, 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 it. So anyway, back in the saddle. Here we go. If you would like to support the Kingdom Project podcast, you can now just go to, and, and send it to PayPal. I scrapped the Patreon thing since, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I scrapped that. And so now in the links to the episodes, you can go to PayPal. Basically, that is just paypal.me, what is that, backslash, I guess, I don't know, forward slash, forward slash, not a backslash, paypal.me slash the kingdom project, and you can send me money (laughs) to help, (laughs) to help the podcast. Okay, so... (laughs) Other than that, everything's been going good. A lot of good, uh, some downloads and all that good stuff. So we, I just thought, hey, let's, we need to record. I need to record, not we. I need to record some content. What have I been doing um, since I've not been putting out other episodes beside, besides the sermons? I have been um, reading a lot, researching, and um, getting back, um, getting back into eschatology that way. Um, well, just basically just to refresh my mind. Okay. So that's, what's been going on and uh, just to refresh my mind and to get back in that, uh, frame of thought, if you will. Okay. So today we're going to take a look at the, um, the disciples question to Jesus in verse three of Matthew 24. All right. Now we've done a primer on that. So we're just going to move through Matthew 24, but this episode has to just deal with the, the, their questions or question. Some say it's split. Others say it's one. All right. So Matthew 24, obviously it's the Olivet discourse it's the most full and explicit of Jesus's prophetic utterances regarding a coming 
and this is often debated if it is the end the destruction of the world or the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem and then the cutoffs you know where does he start talking about the present versus the future and all that I don't think there is a cutoff if you have different translations different Bibles laying around well you can actually just use your you version if you have that on your phone and that's what you use pull up different translations and see what the heading is if you have the ESV you will see that it says um, Jesus foretells destruction of the temple signs of the end of the age and we'll get into that but then it says the coming of the son of man doesn't say the second like what we think is a futurist version of the second coming um and then that's that i mean the, the fig tree and then no one knows the day and the hour okay i think it all has to do with destruction of the temple and jerusalem so let's we need to examine then um the, the question from the disciples so verse 3 could be the most important verse in the whole chapter <laughs> because if you don't understand their question then you don't understand Jesus' answer okay so we need to be, be sure that we understand what they're asking okay so um, I would say the way that many deal with the question or questions is a good example of how our paradigms can can blind us from seeing certain truths and in if in your eschatological paradigm you see um here what is re being referred to as a coming of christ as the end of the physical world um total destruction of life as we know it and all that then you will certainly miss what jesus is saying here um so <laughs> You, you can't believe that, um, well, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. It, it's just not going to fit your paradigm. <laughs> so let's just look at this. Um, let's, let's begin though, by looking at a verse that share, uh, can, can maybe shatter that paradigm <laughs> that views, um, this whole end of the world type of stuff. All right. Second, um, Thessalonians two. One and two says now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. If the Thessalonians believe that the nature of a coming or arrival was this earth burning total destruction of the world we have to ask how could they have been deceived about its arrival if this coming was as many view it today in the future paul um, paul could have written them and and said look the world's still here so the lord has has hasn't come um, they thought it had already happened so they must have viewed it differently than many people do today, okay? 
So we need to see if we can understand the disciples' question or questions, and then we will be able to understand the answer that Jesus gives. Because correctly understanding it could cause a paradigm shift in your eschatology. All right. So um, now, if if you know, building up to Matthew twenty four, there's a lot of stuff going on. All right. So throughout Matthew's gospel, Jesus continually warned the Jews of their coming judgment because of their apostasy. Um, I would say that probably most, if not all of Jesus' Jesus's parables deal with the kingdom of God or the destruction of Jerusalem because of their rejection of that kingdom, all right? So while you're reading through, as you get closer to chapter 24, we will notice then a building of the judgment theme, okay? So um, let's see. I've got pretty much all of these <laughs> pulled up, I think. Um but if not, let's just go ahead. I'm going to... Some's pulled up on the computer. I have a Bible out as well. So let's get to Matthew 21 just for a second. And see what's going on. We're just going to pull some verses, even though I say not to do that. <laughs> but we're going to uh, just look at a few statements from Jesus. Matthew 21, 40. Three, therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Okay? And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and when it uh, falls on anyone, it will crush him. Okay? And let's see, Matthew 22, uh, 7. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Okay? Just keep all these things in mind. Matthew 23. Let's go in there. 37 and 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not see your house is left to you desolate for I tell you you will not see me again until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord wow alright this 37 38 and 39 all right, so 21 and then 22, you got this stuff, this judgment theme, and then Jesus continues to warn them of a coming judgment because of the rejection of him, right? And then we had that there in 23. So when he says, uh, house, um, see, your house is left to you desolate. By house, he's referring to Jerusalem. And the temple would be included in that. And the word desolate means waste, um, desolate, solitary, or wilderness. The city and the temple were both destroyed in 70 AD and made a wilderness. So with that in mind, we move into chapter 24 of the Olivet Discourse. And in verse 1, as they depart from the temple, all right, the words of Jesus, your house... 
we left you see that your house will be left to you desolate is burning in their ears okay and in verse 2 jesus predicted that this temple would be utterly destroyed in an act of god's judgment um says Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple but he answers them you see all these do you not truly I say to you there will be not there will there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down and then he sets on the mount of the olives and disciples come to him privately okay but um and, and then that's when he they ask the questions. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus is gonna, going to answer them. All right, so the Mount of Olives. Olives, I can't talk. It, it was just east of Jerusalem, okay? Uh, across the, the, the Kindred Valley. It's about a mile or so in length, about 700 feet high. It overlooks Jerusalem, so um, from it, from that summit, almost every part of the city could be seen. All right, so it was um, about a Sabbath uh, Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem, and you can see that in Acts one twelve. It says that. So a Sabbath day journey was um, was as far as the law allowed. All right, not the law of Moses. All right, but the uh, Talmud. Um, it's all it would allow one to travel on the Sabbath, all right. So it, it wasn't not quite a mile, but almost, all right. So the walk, think about it, you know, uh, the walk and sandals and all that. But going up there, take a little bit. But during this time, they would have been thinking about what Jesus had just said about the destruction of the temple, how their house would be left desolate. Jesus sits on the mountain. Disciples approach him and question him about the temple's destruction, all right? Uh, um, so the, the Mark, Mark 13, the parallel, Mark 13, uh, 3, it says, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him private, privately. Um, so in, in both Matthew, Matthew and Mark, uh, this is used to set the disciples apart from the crowds, not from each other. Um, it, probably, I would think it means that they they were the ones who raised the questions, not that they were the only disciples present. Okay, but their question was twofold. First, they ask, "When, right? When? When will these things be?" Tell us when these things will be. Okay. And you can look. Mark 13 and Luke 21. Okay. These things. So all three of the synoptic gospels ask when first. The these things refers to the temple's destruction in verse 2. In verse 1, the disciples point out the temple's buildings to Jesus. And in verse 2, Jesus says, all these things shall be destroyed. So it should be clear that they're asking, when will the temple be destroyed? Okay. So when will our house be left des desolate, if you will? After all, Jesus had, Jesus had just been 
talking about judgment on Jerusalem and then about not one stone being left upon another, the, the disciples' response is when. Okay, that makes sense. It's the second part of the question where people get tripped up. All right, the second part is what? All right, <laughs> what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, and this is found in the parallels as well. You compare all three accounts, this shows us that the disciples considered this coming, his coming, and the end of the age to be identical events that would coincide with the destruction of the temple. Now, Mark 13, uh, 4, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished. Okay. Um, now, different trans new king king james version said and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled so the first part of the verse he says uh when will these things be referring to the temple's destruction then the second second half what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled this the, the sign of this coming and the end of the age was the same as these things which referred to the destruction of jerusalem that would happen in 70 a.d they're not separate questions that can be divided up into different time events, all right? The disciples had one thing on their mind, and that was the destruction of the temple and the judgment coming to Jerusalem. And with the destruction of the temple, they would have to con connect this coming on the clouds, the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the end of the age. Okay, now, others, though... <clears throat> This is what they've done, okay? Dispensationalists like Schofield and, and Ryrie um, in their commentaries, okay? This is what they do to the questions. Ryrie says that in this discourse, Jesus answered two of the three questions the disciples asked. He does not answer when will these things happen. He answers what will be the sign of your coming. Hmm. John uh, Walverd in his commentary on Matthew says Matthew's gospel does not answer the first question which relates to the destruction of Jerusalem in, uh, in, in, in 70 AD their main question was when these two guys say that the Lord doesn't even answer it he totally ignores their question about the destruction of the temple and goes, goes on to talk about a, a future like very, very di far distant future, 2,000 plus years coming and into the world. And you have to ask yourself, does that make sense in that dispensational or the pre-millennial type of view? It doesn't make sense. Um, and more importantly, um, w would it make sense to them, right? <laughs> so they associated the destruction of the temple with this this coming judgment all right now the greek word for coming is parousia which means arrival doesn't mean a return it means arrival um there's much debate on that some say it must mean a physical visible return but it has also been twisted and manipulated by theologians in the last hundred or so years 
So um, (laughs) you can do a study on that if you like. I'm just mentioning it. Okay, so the, the disciples couldn't have been asking about an end of the world event, okay? Because they had, or were they actually asking about his return? Because they had no idea that he was leaving, all right? They knew Jesus was the promised Messiah. They believed that, okay? So let's, um, Matthew 16, I think, yeah, well, Matthew 16, um, I have to skip back here for a moment and go to that. They believed him. Finally, they start to believe him. Matthew 16, 15 and 16. Let's look at that. Okay. Oh, well, you know, he, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They believed that Jesus would come and rule. They had no idea of him coming, then leaving, then coming again. Okay. Um, John, in his totally different version of the gospel, but a very good one at that. John 12, 34. All right. Let me find it. Okay, so the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever, right? How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Hmm. Jesus talked to them about his death and going to the Father, but they didn't even understand it. So in John, um, let's see here, let me... I had that, John. Okay, sorry. Uh, 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 Thirty-three, John thirteen, thirty-three, thirty-six. Little children, little children. Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you: Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you: That you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Peter's like, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Okay. So, um, (laughs) and then, then if you go to John 16, 16 and 17, he says a little while you will see me no longer and again a little while (laughs) and you will see me so some of his disciples said to one another what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me and because i am going to the father this this account in john takes place after they had had um after Jesus had given him them the Olivet Discourse, and they still didn't understand that he was leaving them, okay? And after the crucifixion, they still didn't understand that Jesus was going to, to rise from the dead. Because in um, John 20, 8 and 9, it says, Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For 
as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead, okay? So we have to ask, if they had no idea that Jesus was going to leave them, why would they ask him about his return? They didn't understand anything about what we call a second coming, all right? So why why do they ask what will be the sign of your coming if they didn't think he was leaving? The answer is understanding the Jewish Jewish concept of the parousia, okay? The word meant arrival or presence, not a return. It didn't refer to this future return like we think in this chapter to the to to the disciples the parousia of the son of man signified the full manifestation of his messiahship, right? Him being crowned king, his rule and his reign and his authority, his glorious appearing in power. Now, William Barclay talks about the parousia, and he says it is the regular word for the arrival of a governor into his province or for the coming of a king to his subjects. It regularly describes a coming in authority and in power. So the disciples were accustomed to hearing Jesus speak of his coming in his kingdom, coming in his glory and power, and that was all within their lifetime, all right? Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, 27, and 28, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels, angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You get it? He's coming into his kingdom. They didn't know he was leaving, but they looked for a time when he was going to appear in full glory and power, bringing the kingdom, rewarding every man. Now, some want to try to explain this versus relating it to just a, a day later, the transfiguration, or uh, after uh, a- after his ascension and say it was the Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the verse says it would be a time when every man would be rewarded for their works. So that can't mean the transfiguration or Pentecost, but however... Um, I'm, uh, <laughs> trying to tease this out as best as I can for you, but if you would look at Revelation 22, 12, it says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense, recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Okay, so if you compare that with Matthew 16, 27, okay, so they knew that his parousia would be in their lifetime, and they looked for it, and then they would also be expecting it. Okay, So even after his resurrection, they questioned him about restoring the kingdom. Okay, And you can, this is in Acts 1. Acts 1, 6 and 7. Uh, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Right. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons 
that the Father has fixed by his own authority. They didn't understand that Christ would sit upon his throne by means of his resurrection and ascension. Acts 2, 29, 33. Let's read those. Brothers, I, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. In verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Christ was reigning at the the Father's right hand, and the manifestation of that kingdom would come when Christ would come in judgment on Jerusalem. Read 34 and 35 of Acts 2. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Okay. So why would the why would the disciples connect the destruction of the temple with the parousia? Okay, because the disciples knew the Old Testament, and they knew that the destruction of Jerusalem would usher in God's kingdom. Okay, Zechariah fourteen one and uh, one and five one through five. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord. When the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day... His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split into two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, Then the Lord my God will come, and the holy ones with him, and all the holy ones with him. Okay, So in the day of the Lord, Jerusalem is destroyed, and the Lord comes with his saints. And you can also look at Daniel 9, 26. It says, And after the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off, and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end uh, there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Now, we've gone over a lot of that. Okay, so the disciples believed that the coming of Messiah would be simultaneous with the destruction of the city of the city and the temple. Okay. 
And then they also associated the destruction of the temple with the end of the age, because what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, and this is in all three parallels. So again, these things, the destruction of the temple, are connected with the end of the age. Now, some translation use the word world, okay? And that's very confusing because in King James it says end of the world. <laughs> the Greek word used here is is aeon it's a-e-o-n which means age okay if it was world it would be cosmos or okumene which means world and all of its inhabitants but it's not talking about the end of the physical world because the world aeon means age era or a period of time so the expression end of the age refers to the end of the jewish age so the disciples knew that the fall of the temple and the destruction of the city meant the end of the old covenant age and the inauguration of a new age. Okay, so time was divided by the Jews into two great periods. It was this world or this world to come, this present age or the age to come. Okay, now the present age is bad. <laughs> Uh, they associated it with night. Um, it was be beyond all hope of, of human reformation, all right? Um, it, it, it could only, only be mended by direct intervention of God, okay? And when God does intervene, then the age to come arrives. So in, but in between the two ages, there, there, there would come a day of the Lord, which um, which they considered would be a terrible, fearful upheaval, like the birth pangs of a new age. Now remember from Zechariah 14 that the day of the Lord and the destruction of Jerusalem were connected, okay? Um, the, the William Hendrickson in his commentary on Matthew says that about 24, uh, Matthew 24, 3, he says that the, the very form of the question is cast, okay? A, a, a putting or being side by side or close together, all right? A, ju a juxtaposition of the clauses, okay? It seems to indicate that as these men interpret Jesus' words, Jerusalem's fall, particu uh, particularly the destruction of the temple, would mean the end of the world to them or the world as they knew it okay but they could have possibly thought the end of the world okay and in 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 that framework they they would have been partly mistaken as jesus is about to show that a lengthy period of time would intervene between um the fall of jerusalem and the culmination of the age with his coming um in destruction there he so uh hendrickson hendrickson sees that by the form of the question they viewed the fall of jerusalem and the end of the age to be at the same time and he's but he says they're wrong if they were to have the 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 mindset of the end of the world well so we we have to we don't know what they thought <laughs> um but i think if they were mistaken Jesus would have corrected them, right? 
So what, what, like, and we would have to say, like, why didn't the Lord say the temple will be destroyed soon, but the end of the age is a long time off, a long time away. So what Jesus did tell them, though, was that all things they asked would be fulfilled in their lifetime, okay? Because Matthew 24, 34, okay, um, 34... Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. It's a lot to go through here. But to the Jews, time was divided in those two great periods, the Mosaic Age and the Messianic Age. Okay, Now, they're still waiting, though. They're still waiting for that. But the the Messiah was viewed as as one who would bring in a, a new world. The period of the Messiah was correctly um, characterized by the synagogue as the world to come. And, and all through the New Testament, we see two ages in contrast, this age and the age to come. The understanding of these two ages and when they changed is fundamental when interpreting the Bible. Most Christian, I said this in my sermon yesterday, I had to mention it because of Ephesians 6 and the armor of God. But when, when, they, when they read in the New Testament the words, um, the age to come, all right? Or when they read this, uh, most Christians, they think of a yet future age. But the New Testament writers were referring to the Christian age, the kingdom age, or the church age, okay? We live in what was to what was to them the age to come the new covenant age okay now matthew let's see matthew 12 we'll, we'll look at the two ages matthew 12 32 whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven but whoever speaks against the holy spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come the word come at the end of the verses or in, uh, of this verse in the Greek is mellow. It means about to be. We could translate this as uh, the age about to be in the first century. Okay, so many think that the age to come will be a sinless age, but not according to that verse, because sin against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in that age. <laughs> Referring to the age of the new covenant, which is now our present age. Okay. Matthew 13, 49 and 50, it says, So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. <laughs> Notice who was taken here. Okay. At the end of the age. It's a reverse rapture. <laughs> I believe it speaks of the judgment of Jerusalem in 70 AD. It was the end of the Jewish Jewish age, and the wicked Jews were burned in the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay. Now, 1 Corinthians 2, a lot of scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and 8. This is wisdom from the Spirit. It says, Yet among the mature we do we do impart wisdom, although it is not not a wisdom of this age. Or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. 
but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The wisdom and rulers of that age were passing away. He is speaking of the Jewish leaders and the whole old covenant system. Okay, and again in in First Corinthians ten eleven. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. So Paul said it very plainly that the end of the ages were coming upon them, which was who? It would have been the first century people, first century saints. Okay, So Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he, he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Um, so, and then, and, again, it's plain right there, okay? Jesus was speaking in the last days, so the last days of what? It's the last days of the old covenant age, okay? Hebrews 9, 26 says, um, For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. <clears throat> so when was it that Jesus appeared, right? He was born not at the beginning, but at the end of the ages. To suppose that he meant that Jesus' incarnation came near the end of the world would be to make his statement false. The world has already lasted longer since the incarnation than the whole duration of the Mosaic economy from the exodus to the destruction of the temple. Jesus was manifest at the end of the Jewish age. And Peter says the same thing. In 1 Peter 1.20, says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Okay, Jesus came during the last days of the age that was the Old Covenant age. It was the Jewish age. The age came to an end with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And all these things um, were prophesied by Jesus in Matthew 24. It occurred at the end of the, the age. Nothing is taught in the Bible about a millennia, millennial age. The Bible talks about this age which is the Old Covenant Age and the Age to Come, the New Covenant Age. The Millennium was um, was the time of transition between this age and the Age to Come, the now present New Covenant Age. You and I live in what was to the writers of the New Testament, the Age to Come. All right, We're no longer under the Old Covenant. We, we live in the Messianic Age of the New Covenant, the age we live in, uh, will never end because it's an everlasting age. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, it says, Now may 
the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, the Bible, <laughs> the Bible doesn't, it, it, from what I can tell, the Bible doesn't teach about a future age to us. The age in which we live in is the everlasting age of the new covenant. Jesus' disciples believed that his presence would be acknowledged, and then so would the end of the age when he arrived in judgment on Jerusalem. They were thinking of the temple and the, their immediate future, right? Um, so would he speak to them uh, of the world and the indefinitely remote, you know, a long time, like like no um so one one last thing um this is we're gonna go through matthew 24 but we have to deal with the questions all right and so fc cook in his commentary says that this okay from the form of the question we may infer that two separate events the destruction of the temple and the final coming of christ at the end of the world were closely connected together in the minds of the disciples the popular belief of the Jews at at this time seems to have been that the coming of the Messiah would be sim simultaneous with the destruction of the city and the temple. So Cook sees them as two separate events, but admits that the disciples didn't. So I think that many who want to separate these the questions or Jesus's statements separate them because of their their paradigm of eschatology um, has blinded them from seeing that because um, it it happens all right so that is the questions of the disciples so we have seen the disciples questions all revolved around the temple and its destruction okay so to them the destruction of the temple would mean the parousia of the Lord and the end of the age the answer that Jesus gives is to them, not a future generation, and it deals with the fall of Jerusalem. And you have to keep this in mind uh, when we start to look at Jesus' answer to the questions. And we will we'll do that in the next uh, episode um, dealing with eschatology and... Um, basically preterism okay so that's what i'm coming from here especially with matthew 24 it's a done deal in my mind um it, it's all connected and if you start to look at it in that way you're going to see it and i hope that you do um so um it it, it it can change a lot of things definitely but it changes a lot of things in a good way i'm not it doesn't I'm not going to say I'm. This view does not take away anything. In fact, it gives more victory, more hope, and a lot of other things to you when your view starts to shift and change and to move into this direction. 
So um, if you've not considered it already, I would hope that you will consider it and take this information and take the take notes or whatever listen to this again or if you have a good memory just take this and take it to the bible don't listen to me with an open mind listen to me with a closed mind and an open bible all right there is another episode on eschatology dealing with the questions of matthew 24 if you have any questions, comments, disagreements, send them my way at the Kingdom Project Podcast at gmail.com. And, and until next time, thank you for listening. Be a mustard seed. Be leavened.